Good morning, church. Merry Christmas to you this morning. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you to all the singers and the mic. Wow, that was really awesome this morning. So last Christmas Eve, uh, Mike, you had COVID. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. Um, so we couldn't go together, our traditional Christmas Eve. So I had my, not my work wife, Mike, or husband, uh, but I had my real wife up, and we shared a little bit about what we've been doing around the country. And I boldly proclaimed that night that by next Christmas, there would be 50 less pounds of Al to love. I got good news and I got bad news. The bad news is it didn't pan out. Um, I was swallowing a lot of aggression this year, along with a lot of Johnny's Pizza, right? And uh, But the good news is there's still a lot of Al to love. And I love you guys deeply. There you go. Applause for failure. I love it. I love it. Only in grace in Christ, right? That's right, brother. Grace is enough. It is enough on Christmas Day. Uh, I don't know how many of you have uh, had your radio set on Sunday 98 for the last uh, few. Anybody besides me? Sunday 98.3? A few of you. In the Christmas spirit. Christmas spirit is fantastic. I love it. I love the songs. This morning was fantastic. Last night we were, you know, unwrapping all the grandkid gifts. So the kids are always kind of in the middle there. And Pearl, who's my five-year-old granddaughter, she uh, she's very emotional. And she also has a pretty good vocabulary. And so she got something she particularly loved. And she said, oh, this is what I've been wanting. And she hugged it and she loved it. And then Alex said to her, she said, how do you feel about that, bro? And she said, I'm overwhelmed with joy. <laughs> and I thought, that's it, right? That's the Christmas spirit. That's a good, right now, now, of course, Christmas spirit ebbs and flows because by the time she left, she's cranky. She's got to go to bed, Santa, and all that stuff. And I said, Pearl, are you still overflowing with joy? And she said, Pap, you're annoying me. <laughs> no more Christmas spirit. <laughs> You know, that, that's the challenge, isn't it, to keep the joy consistent? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think we all kind of have that kind of thing going on in our life, don't we? Uh, I, I did what was, uh, you know, I got up early this morning and uh, uh, very early, as I normally do, uh, made my uh, traditional stop at the Waffle House and uh, wish some folks uh, There's Merry a button Christmas. on the register down there, by the way, with Mike's name on it. Mike on it and yep. give me money. I think that's what it says. But... Uh, uh, but I have friends there, and so uh, we were wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. And they were telling me, man, you should have been here five minutes ago because we had this guy that was belligerent in here and, and doing terrible things. We had to throw him out. And I said, on Christmas morning. Well, yeah, you know, it's what we told him. Why are you acting this way on Christmas morning? So I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, you know, uh, shouldn't we act the right way every day, <laughs> not just Christmas? But something special about Christmas that does make us conscious of who we are and what we have because of the coming of Christ. And so I am so thankful that on Christmas, this is the best present for me, to be with my forever family and to celebrate Jesus. That's a great present. It is. Ironically, that man was Tommy Emman. I'm glad he's here today. Uh, no, I, I kid, I kid, I kid. So Merry Christmas. Uh, Emmanuel, God is with us, Jesus, the Lord saves, and the Christ, the promised Messiah. On Christmas Day, we get to celebrate him coming here 
Uh, we, we're finishing our series today. We've called it the Inverted Gospel. Because a story as great as Jesus' story can be told backwards and forwards. And it has a blessing and a power in it. And so through this series, we learned, of course, from the second coming, that Jesus had to leave here bodily to provide hope that we could exist where God is and we could have faith that he would return to take us there. And can you imagine what that day will be like when he comes back? But until that day comes, he left us with something to help us. His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he, the other part of the Godhead, he lives inside us, inside our bodies, and helps us as we walk in the direction of becoming more like Christ. We also know because he ascended that he had to go into heaven to be our king and our Lord. And we know now that we have one who mediates for us in heaven. And can you imagine that day that they went to find the body, the resurrection took place. He's not here. The grave was empty. And forever giving us hope one day, confident hope, our grave will be empty too. We also know that Jesus' body had to be sacrificed on a tree. He had to take our curse because of sin because he was the perfect sacrifice for us. And he has removed our guilt and shame forever. Praise be to Jesus. And now today we celebrate that God became flesh. God became flesh. He chose to become one of us because he loved us. For God so loved the world, he gave. So last night uh, at our Christmas Eve service, we looked at the event of Jesus coming to earth. And really through the eyes of those who were around him uh, that fateful night. Today we're going to talk about the implication of what that means, the why that Jesus Christ had to come to earth. Why did Jesus have to be both God and human? That really is the question, right, for the incarnation. Incarnation simply means in flesh. God had to become flesh for us. And the question becomes why. Paul would put it this way in Romans chapter 1 and verse 3, regarding his son, Jesus, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, so he was a man, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Truly divine hybrid, God in flesh for us. So why did he have to uh, become a, a man, both God and human? Because the sin of the first humans introduced a curse on all humanity. And the sacrifice of not only the perfect human, but also deity, would be the only thing that would take away that curse. Now look, we're not born guilty of sin, but we're born impacted by sin. It impacts the whole world. And so, it's not that Jesus was just perfect that made him the great sacrifice. Because, look... A baby's born into this world perfect and clean and holy. But a sacrifice of a child won't take away the sins of another child, another person, right? It's more than that. It's that he was 100% perfect as a human, but he was also 100% God in the flesh. Paul would put it this way in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. 
But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more? That's our phrase. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? He had to be here for us. And his how much more takes care of all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame. Mike explained that beautifully last week in talking about the power of the cross and who Jesus is. That's why the cross had to have God on it. How much more? Also, the reason he had to become, had to be both God and, and human, because the sin curse brought on physical death as a punishment, and only the resurrection of a glorified man could bring victory over death. First Corinthians 15, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Where, O death, is your sting? Uh, uh, is your victory. Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Delivered from that fear. I was talking to a young man recently that had a terrible accident. And he said, You know, I, I, you don't think about dying when you're young. And then all of a sudden, when you're faced and you look at that opportunity, he said, Al, I was ready. I didn't fear it. Even in the moment when it was right there and it could have happened. And I said, that's the power of an empty tomb. That's why God in flesh had to come and walk out of that tomb so that we would be ready when that moment comes. Whether the Lord comes back or we go in the ground, either way, we are ready because of what he did for us. That's why he came here, to take away that that fear that's so powerful in all of us. He also came because God needed to be one of us to save us all. That's right. Hebrews chapter 2, I love this passage in verse 14 through 15 and verse 17. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And I love this word, free, free those who are uh, who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Freedom is what we have because of the incarnation. And a lot of people ask, you know, they were like, why, why did God do it the way he did it? Why did he... Why did he, before time, make a decision that the only way when he created us and we made a choice away from him that he would have to come down? Why do it that way? Why not just make us where we never sin and we never die? If you don't understand free will and you don't understand faith and choice, you'll never understand God. He made us to choose him. He made us to have free will. It's the same with our faith. We watch, we, we grow our kids up here, we teach them the songs, and we teach them about Jesus, and we're doing everything we can so that they can know who he is, so that they don't have to go through some of the things that we went through. But we know every single one of them, at some point when they become mature, will have to make their own decision about faith. And therein lies the power of Jesus. But only if we have the choice. That's why he made us. 
to choose him. And so that's why he came here. And he knew that he would have to be the one to sacrifice himself for us so that we would have a choice. So when we look at him, and I don't know how if it makes you feel great or not, but it makes me feel fantastic to know that my God has had every motion and walked through everything that I walked through. The only thing he didn't do that I do is sin. But everything else, he said he was made like me in every single way. That's a God I can believe in. That's a God I love and I trust. And even though he didn't sin, he felt the burden of sin, the guilt of sin, and even the shame of sin on the cross. Yes. We said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's on him? Every time you bowed your head because of 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 the sin that you just committed and you felt ashamed... He took that same shame on himself. He took the same guilt on himself. Why did he do this? Why did he become flesh through this word? Because we needed a Lord who could reconcile us back to God. You see, there's there's hostility because of sin between me and the Father. Uh, He's I'm I'm his enemy. Matter of fact, Romans says, "For while I was yet an enemy, Christ died for me. Even while I was still an enemy, God loved me that much." But what took care of that hostility that brought us peace is that reconciliation that came through Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. I love the way Paul put it in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. How does that make you feel on Christmas Day? Free from accusation. You remember back in Job and Satan's roaming around through the earth. Who, who can I strike down? Who can I get to turn their hearts away from God? Who can I accuse Ever since Jesus came here and died on that cross, there's no more accusation for us. You know why? Because we choose Him. He took it all. And He says you are holy and blameless because of Him. Well, I just don't always feel that way. I still make mistakes. You are free from accusation in Christ. Believe it. Yeah, they deserve some applause. Amen. He became flesh because we needed to see who God is. You know, in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling or pitched His tent, tabernacled, among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. This Jesus came, says, full of grace and truth. And Jesus said, anyone who has seen me, what? They've seen, they've seen the Father. He is the image of the invisible God. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I know people like to make New Year's resolutions. They don't always pan out, as I've already said. But you want to make a resolution that will help your life and bless you? Read the red letters. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was only here in ministry for three years recorded. And yet, if you want to see God, read what he said. Listen to what he said. Watch how he operated. Incredible. 
that we get to see who God is because of what Jesus did is because some very wise people led by the Spirit of God decided to write it down for us. Be blessed by the red letters. He became flesh also because we needed representation on our behalf in heaven. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 16, this is something I didn't understand when I was young, for sure. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Look what he says in the next verse. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I always grew up thinking it was a throne of judgment. It was a throne of fear. And that every time I went before God, I was scared to death because I had to list all my sins and make sure I said them all and confessed them all. And, and cause, because it was a judgment seat. And, and maybe, maybe God will hear my prayers and give me forgiveness. No confidence. Legalism never brings confidence, by the way. It brings arrogance, but it doesn't bring confidence. Mm-hmm. But this is a, not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. And when we go to that throne of grace, he says that we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. At the most vulnerable spot we are in in life, in our struggle, in our misery, even in our sinfulness, we still have a throne of grace to approach. And God loves us and gives us mercy and gives us help in our time of need. By the way, if God does that for us, what kind of of approach should we have to others who are struggling in life. It better be an approach of grace and mercy that they can find help in their time of need because God helps us. So the last reason that Jesus was both God and man is because we need a king who joyfully loves his people. I love this text from Hebrews 1, verse 8. But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. The oil of joy. Just like my five-year-old granddaughter, this morning I am overwhelmed with joy because I have a king that loves me that much. A king eternal, immortal, invisible. The only God, and we give him glory and honor. The blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Written on his thigh and on his robe, Revelation says he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And we joyfully serve him this morning. And the question is, if that's my king, is he yours? Amen, brother. Jesus. That's my king, is he yours? Believing in Him for who He really is. Confessing that one, I'm not king. He is king. He's Lord. He rules. Confessing my sins. Confessing His name, Jesus, as Lord. Uh, you know, I, I learned about this confession thing a little bit when I was younger. I, uh, the very first time, uh, 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 I remember my conscience really bothered me. I was real young, and I'd snuck in the kitchen, and I'd uh, 
got mom's cigarettes out, and my brother put me up to it. And so we went down to the creek behind the house, and we were fixing to light these cigarettes up, you know. I mean, I'm real little. And my brother didn't. He said, no, you can't do it. I said, no, look, I'm the one snuck in there and got them. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. And so, boy, we we were a big deal. You know, we lit those cigarettes up. And, of course, after my conscience is bothering me, I'm back in the, at the house sitting in the living room. And uh, uh, my brother's still out there in the woods. And my mom says, what's wrong, uh, Mikey? They all call me Mikey. She said, Mikey, what's wrong? And I, oh, nothing. You know how you lie, right? And so, oh, no, something's wrong. What is it? Well, my conscience was bothering me so bad. It's just like I'd swallowed a softball and it was stuck right here, you know. So finally, I just blurted out, and I confessed my sin, and I confessed my brother's sin, which he didn't appreciate uh, very much. But I remember my mom, you know, while she got on to us, I also remember her love and her care. And I also remember her walking out the back of the house, uh, going down there, hollering at my brother. And he's trying to get all the smoke out of the way and everything, you know, but it didn't work too well. But confession... Your conscience tells you. We know when we've done something wrong. But the relief that comes by us being honest with God, being honest with God, is a huge burden lifted. And don't you walk out of here today with a burdened heart when you can be honest with God and walk out of here with a Christmas spirit like you've never had before. You can have it. We say the words, Jesus is Lord. What we're saying is, I can't, but he can. He's big enough. We also commit. We commit ourselves to him. Dad always says it on our podcast, what could be wrong with loving God, loving your neighbor, and trying to do what's right? I mean, it's really that simple, right? It's a commitment. It's not easy, but it's simple. That's what we do in obedience to him. We put away our flesh and we live through the spirit. It's what you see at someone's baptism. A public commitment that the old person is going down and someone new is coming up. And we don't just do that once in that commitment. We do it every single day. We have to put to death that old person. It sometimes tries to come out, right? You may be 10 years removed, 15 years removed from when you became a son or daughter of the Almighty God. And some of those old ways try to creep back in. But you know what? We have new mercies every single day. We wake up saying God can do all things. I can't, but he can. If you have a need to respond today, if you want to be baptized into Christ and make us really a great Christmas, we're going to offer that. Opportunity is we have what we call in our church family an invitation. Or if you just want us to come down and be prayed over and, and, and share something, that's uh, share joy or share uh, a struggle. We'll pray with each other. We're family. We all have them. There's nobody any different than anyone else in here, right? We're in it together. We're all saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus. But if you have a need to respond in any way today, you can as we stand and as we sing.